Sunday night, and that music means it is time for Oasis. Rob Rourke here with you, and Kathy, Laura, Kathy, how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, how are you? And uh, Sir David, it's back in here with us, you want to introduce your guest yeah. and we, uh, we, talk about the show. We have uh, with us again um, this evening, David Montelongo, and he's uh, a recurring guest, and I'm hoping that we'll continue to have him, because he's got a lot of stuff to talk about, and so... Um, <laughs> He um, has been a musician, he's been a promoter, he's an activist here in town. So, you know, when you live in the town and you've seen so much change and you've done a lot, <laughs> there are a lot of interesting conversations that are going to come about. Well, so, thank you. welcome to the show. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for inviting me again. I'm glad to pleasure for me to be here. Now, being in music and then, you know, talking about, you were kind of interested with Bo, with what he was talking about, about making the money and the music and how things have changed. I, I, I definitely, I know we're going to talk about this, but I'm, I'm really interested to hear. So I, I want to start off our conversation with kind of where we left off last time. And you said that you were a musician. What kind of um, your audience, what was your audience your your base audience when you were out there playing because i know that has changed over the the years so uh, did you cater mostly to um like a older hispanic group or you know younger hispanic group what type of music did y'all play well typically it was uh hispanic uh spanish music <clears throat> i uh i was introduced to it uh through my uncle my grandfather and I was thinking about it uh, today, and I, it, it's amazing how we used to play it. We even, I even got to play in houses with the groups because back then they were limited on the ventures that they had. And they even had weddings at home also at that time. And... Uh, Nowadays, you wouldn't even think about playing at a house back then. My grandfather was a musician also, and that's how we got involved with it. And they traveled from ranch to ranch or from farm to farm, you know, on that part. <clears throat> and my uncle, one of my uncles, would give me all this life history about how he was the roadie at that time. and. <laughs> And my dad was set up. Well, what did they set up? Really, they didn't have hardly anything back then, you know, because it was... So about th that time frame, are we talking about the 1930s, 1940s, when your grandfather was out playing? Yeah, 20s, 30s, 40s. At, at that time, we were introduced into the accordion uh, right around that time with the Germans, you know, coming in and bringing the accordion and the Hispanics picking it up. And um, was there an accordion in your... Uh, grandfather's uh, ensemble at that time or were they mostly violin or did they have like a trumpet or well my grandfather played uh, violin that is still in the family they restored it and they they say it looks real nice I like to see it he played uh, guitar and bass well bass really was a up, upright bass back then and from there he taught his his sons to play, you know, and that. So some of them would play, like my uncle played the saxophone. I'm sure he played uh, back then. They had availability for it. 
But it's very interesting to just imagine what it was like going from farm to farm or ranch to ranch compared to me playing at a, a venue. house yeah. venue at that time. Uh, there weren't that many musicians at that time also on that. So was there a set time that they would play or was it just for like a special occasion or, you know, or like, you know, they say if you're going to a ranch, you go, cuando ya llega la cochesta, how do you say that? When you're, when you pull in your crops, did they have like a party after, you know, after they did that and they'd bring musicians in or was it just for special occasions? I think mostly it was during the weekends when oh. everybody was kind of like down, down. Downtime. Yeah. And uh, that's when they were. I don't think that they did during the week. They might have gotten, like, gathered around and just played a little bit, but not not to, for the audience. You and know. so do you remember any of the ranches that they say they would go to? My grandfather, when he migrated to Texas, <clears throat> he settled in Nittigwall. So I'm sure that they, around the venue that they uh, that they played was around whatever farms or ranches there were around here on that part. And uh, then when his uh, first wife got killed by the train, so he had six children to raise from the first family, which was including my dad at that time. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, with six and young and all this and that, he remarried. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he stayed here. And finally, I can't remember exactly what year he moved back to, uh, to the uh, valley. And there's where he stayed with the second Mm -hmm. Second marriage. Second marriage. So did he continue playing once he left here in the valley, or, I mean, did he play all his life? Who's that? Your grandfather? grandfather? Well, he, <clears throat> Mike, mainly back then, most of the families were uh, uh, migrants, mm -hmm. okay? So he had a big family, so he utilized that because the more family, the more money you would bring in. <laughs> But then he got sick in 19, in the 50s, so he passed away in 54. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't get to know no. him that well. Uh, the only time was when we went to visit him in the valley, or he would come down, coming from where he was, they were at that time. But uh, the only ones that continued the trend were my uncle, who I played with at that time also, and he wanted, they, at that time then, more of a orchestra type came so, in. So 1940s, 50s, 50s, around 50s? 60s, mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, mostly uh, middle-sized and big band that they had at that time. And I got to taste what it was like then on that. <laughs> so by then there really wasn't any more playing at a ranch you were almost playing in a venue by that time yes there were had a little uh, clubs that they had or, or venues that they had at that time 
uh, then I got to play at at, uh, at bars too. So. <laughs> so when you're playing a venue, how much was the cover charge to come in and see you play? Was there like a cover charge that they would charge? Dollar fifty cents. Wow. And then in high school, we had a. I never realized we had that many, many bands here in town. Uh, at that time, we had a lot of rock and roll. Then I went from, from the Tejano side, to the rock and roll. <laughs> so we had. Uh, it was interesting because I didn't realize that we had thirteen bands here. Young, young guys, rock so and roll. Is that what nineteen sixties, nineteen fifties, late fifties? Yeah. Well, mainly in the 60s that we had, 59, 60, when I was, I was in high school. But it was, we had a battle of the bands at uh, uh, what used to be like the American Legion. American Legion. Right by yeah. the, by by the, the River. River, yes. That now belongs to the uh, university. university. And we would have our, uh, either on Fridays or, or during the weekends, uh, our battle of the bands, and most of the teenagers would would congregate or go over there. I think the I think the invasion was a dollar at that time, fifty cents, somewhere in that. We were one of these, you know. Every musician has an aspiration about going to the top, reaching the top. You know, the majority of them never do, but it's just. Uh, the challenge that you get and the excitement and the ego that you build with all of that that sort of gets you motivated and really you don't think about the money you think about making it big you know you think make it big that's when everything comes in you know so were you doing your original music or were you doing cover tunes you know because i know around that time sam the sham you know was coming out woolly bully there was a lot of you know there was hispanic bands that were doing music you know for rock and roll you know but were you doing your own stuff or were you covering other people's music on the Tano groups or what? Well, uh, when, you, when you were doing the... Um, for like when you did the Battle of the Bands, when the music started to change, were, were you playing? Uh, yeah, okay. I was playing, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I just was yeah. wondering whether it was original tunes that you were doing or were you covering other no, tunes? No, 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 I was that, uh, playing. I okay. was only seven, 16 or 17. So what songs yeah. were y'all playing? So when you were playing with your grandfather or your uncle, what songs, Hispanic songs, were, were popular at that time? Yeah. And then when you transitioned over to the um, to the rock, what did you what music did you play as a, as a rock musician? A lot of the traditional that was going on in the English market uh-huh. at that time, the rock and rolls like uh, uh, Bill Haley and Comets and those kind of guys. Richie Valens, yes, yeah. uh, Buddy Holly. Yes. So that was our that was our our repertoire that we had at that time. And playing with my uncle, it was more like a orchestra tribe, mm-hmm. horns, and a lot of the a lot of the back then was the uh, club music that they had. So that. was it more like uh, Artie Shaw or that that type of big band music? Similar into like uh, Lawrence Welk. Oh, Lawrence Welk. And that. I'm a, of course, they didn't dress like that, but it was that type of music. Kind of waltzes, kind of? Yeah. Okay. 
And um, did you have a favorite type of genre to play? Did you like more the the uh, the big band stuff, or did you like more the rock and roll? Because I mean, you were you were young, seventeen. Yeah, right? I was. A, well, it was it was it was interesting because you went from one one extreme to the other, and then I got to play with a conjunto also on it with accordion, and uh, it was also a different taste on that part because it was saxophone and accordion that we had. And uh, I played here locally with uh, the Garzas, uh, Fidel Garza. Uh -huh. I played with him. And then I played with a group out of Austin. It's funny that you mentioned them because they're going to be our show next week. Oh, really? And yeah, Mrs. Garza <laughs> is going to come in. Well, Miss Torres now. Is that going to be? Well, uh, I don't think he's going to come in. It's just going to be uh, one of the sisters and her son. Yeah. So, yeah, Mrs. Torres. Well, Dottis. they're related to us. Ah. On that, on my mother's side, uh -huh. they're related to us. And I didn't even know until later on in life that uh, they were. So you just came from a, from a family of musicians. Yes. And then, yeah. and then I think she married into a family of musicians too, right? So are you related to her on the Garza side or on the Torres side? The, are you related uh, no, to the Garzas? On, on the mother side. On the mother side. On the Garzas. Okay, yeah. the Garzas. She was a Martinez mm -hmm. on that mm -hmm. on that part. So going back to what we were talking about, Kathy, is that it was a very simple type atmosphere at that time because our our mics and all this we didn't have all this sound system that we have now. And we would put up a, a speaker on one side and a speaker on the other side. We might have two or three uh, mics. mics. And that was, uh, that was the extreme. Our, our traveling was very, very small. So, <laughs> so it, was, it was interesting on that part. Uh, as time went, of course, we went modernizing and everything of that nature. And that's when, uh, and most of the groups back then, in the, the back then, they would have a stand, music, and sit down. And then as time went, they started changing, and then they started just standing, standing. There on that on that part. So when you traveled, did you travel a long, a long ways, or was it just like from San Marcos to Austin or San Antonio, or did you have a much longer, uh, wider range of places that you went to? Well, as time went, then I, then it started venturing out more, more, more territory that we played on that part. And uh, the last... The last, back in, I quit in 74. On that one, when my cousin and I were, were, were together, of course, he was famous. So we went by, he, he, he booked the band and everything. So we might be in Houston one night, we might be in Waco another night, or we might be, depending, we might travel to three or 400 miles from one night to the next. And what was his name? Roy Montalongo. And what type of music did um, y'all play? Tejano. Yes. Okay. And I guess, are we ready for a break? 
ready for okay. a break. And, and then and I'll uh, come back and I have another question that I want to ask. <laughs> okay. KZSM.org, True Community Radio. You are listening to Rises here. And uh, we express on the show, those the hosts and guests, not necessarily KZSM or SMTXCRA. And we'll be right back with you after this break. Hi, this is Steve Chelmsford reminding everyone to catch my show, The Mop Tops and the King, featuring an hour of the greatest two artists in the history of rock and roll, Elvis and the Beatles. Every Monday evening at 9 p.m. right here on KZSM, San Marcos Community Radio. Tune in to Texas River Tonk every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. We play music from our favorite country artists and let you know how to catch them live. We'll also have musicians in studio talking about their work and playing on air. So come join the party with Texas River Tonk Fridays, noon to 2, on kzsm.org, True Community Radio. And hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, at Texas River Tonk. That's at TX River Tonk. Anybody out there interested in chess? Join us at the San Marcos local chess club. We get together every Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the San Marcos Public Library. All levels are welcomed. Everybody is welcomed. All ages are welcomed. It's a really chilled environment just to enjoy and play some chess all together. We're back with you here in the studio, KZSM. And I asked a question to lead in and right at the wrong time. But, Kathy, going ahead. It's back to your interview so here. Rob, Rob's question was about Roy, um, about how famous he was. So he got airtime with his music. At that time, were there a lot of radio stations that were already picking up Tejano music? Yes, they were. And uh, he had an opportunity. And uh, it was. Uh, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because... My uncle was this type of guy. He was a very stern disciplinarian person. You know, he do it my way and the highway. You know, and he demanded. Uh, I, I mean, he demanded from you. You know, on that part. So when I took up that I wanted to play a saxophone, uh, he said, "Well, uh, you, on weekends you can come and stay with me, and uh, I'll teach you." played high saxophone so I did but with his son he was uh, I guess he was a marketing person he was because uh, he would take him to different different places to introduce him to get exposure with the bands especially the ones that were traveling but there was one band particular from Valpurias that he did nothing but dance uh, uh, ballroom uh, venues. And uh, so it happened at that time that they came into Austin and my uncle took his son to go. And and so happened that he was, the band was short one saxophone. So my, my cousin sat in with him and they offered him a job on the spot on that. He was 17 years old at that time. And my uncle said, take it. And here he is, 17-year-old, and they traveled the whole United States. You know, they were gone for months and all this. And 
to him, it was a, a, a great experience because at 17 years old, traveling the United States like that. You're seeing things you might not have otherwise seen had you stayed home. Right. And you're, you're getting experience along the way. So he was with that group two years, and then the leader of the group got sick. So he had to stop and terminated uh, the band. So then he went with another group that was beginning to build up uh, uh, popularity. So he got to travel with that group also on that. And he was with them for about four years. Then he decided, I've learned a lot. I've learned quite a bit. Um, he made contact with the promoters and he, in other words, he, he sold himself to, hey, when I do pick up my group, uh, I'm gonna give you a call. So he did and he, he was very successful on that. But uh, the biggest problem that he had was he was so, uh, since my uncle raised him because his, him, his mother and my uncle, they separated and he was about maybe two or three years old. So all he knew at that time was my uncle, you know, on that. So unfortunately, my uncle died in 1967. And when I came back from the service, and that's, in fact, that's when I was leaving, it wasn't the same person that I'm, the, when I left, uh, my cousin. So I traveled with him when I came back for about three months, you know, just to wind down from being in the service and being in Vietnam. So at times he and I would talk as we were traveling because a lot of times it was just him and I. And uh, I asked him, I said, Roy, what happened? You know, he, was, he said, well, when my dad died, I just didn't have any more. I didn't have anybody to play for. And I couldn't understand his logic that he was talking about. But he said, uh, you don't understand because you have your parents, you know. I said, yeah, you're right. I said, but your dad didn't build you and didn't make you who you are to fail. He wanted you to succeed when he wasn't here. He said, yeah, but it's, it's not the same. And I didn't understand that <clears throat> until it happened to me, you know. Uh, I, I thought I was strong. I thought I was, you know, I thought that I didn't think about it, you know. But when my dad passed away, and he passed away, not suddenly because he had been sick for a while, but he went in on a, on a Monday and he died on a Thursday. Well, I made a couple of dances after that. You know, I'm, I'm skipping some things because I wanna, I wanna make a, a point here uh, of how things are sometimes. But I, I had, at that time, I was into the promotions. And I made, I made a dance here at the Guatemo. 
And I made it for my, my son because he was graduating at that time. And the organization, and, and uh, at that time they had what they call a senior, senior dance for the seniors, and they would raise money. So my dad would always be at the back door. And I looked back there, and he wasn't there, you know. So it was a really uh, a shock. And I couldn't make any more dances after that. I just, you know, and that's when I realized that what my, my cousin was talking about, that sometimes you think you're strong, but you're not. Or, or the reason that you're doing something is uh, with you and, and a shared experience that you're having with someone else, but when that person isn't there, then the, the reason that you're doing it is no longer there. Yeah. And um, it's it's funny that you say that because something similar like that happened to Nick, and uh, kind of like you, I I didn't understand the logic of it, but you know, well, you, you understand. Yeah. So, but it's it's a story that I'll I'll tell you after the show. Um, how close in age were you to your cousin Roy? As a very how close was I? Yeah, I mean, were y'all the same age? Was he a little bit? No, older he than was you? six years older than oh. I was. Mm-hmm. But as when we were growing up, we were very close. Because my dad and his dad were always looking out for one another, okay? But as time went, like when he's, he went on the road with, uh, with all these groups, he would still come to the house and he would still have a closeness. But then it was, he went his way and I went my way, you know, on that part. We got back together when I came back from Nam. And then we really got close when he and I got together on that. And we would get together off and on on that part. But it was funny because when I got married, I invited him to my house. I said, hey, Roy, I want you to come and eat supper with us. I want you to see my little house that I have. So he came and he, uh, we ate and we started talking and all this and this and that. And at one point, he said, uh, David, I have something to tell you. I said, really? He said, yes. He said, you know, for years, I've been jealous of you. I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, my dad worshiped the ground you walked. He said, to, you, to him, you were the perfect son. I said, well, it's... it's Kind of ironic you're telling me that because my dad worshiped the ground you walked. <laughs> <laughs> I so I guess we were just born to the wrong fathers, you know that. But for him to make that comment was really inspiring for me because, you know, here he is famous and all this and that, and him telling me that. But we had a good laugh. And, and the, after that, we, like I said, we were close. <clears throat> when we were very young, and then we got close again as we get older on that part. And then when he got sick, he would call me and tell me like they, he had, uh, they had to operate on him, and he lost his voice. So he called me, he said, David, I won't be able to talk anymore just through the speaker they give. <clears throat> but he had a good attitude on that part. So I would go visit him and then he got really sick. So that's when we 
and uh, but it was one of those things that uh, a lot of people said, well, did y'all have a lot? We had a lot in common, he and I, but he was going one way and I was going another way, you see. And I was doing certain things than he was, you know. And, that. and a lot of people were trying to compare us. Well, there, there was no comparison because he made it in how he wanted to make it, and I made it in how I wanted to make it on this part, see. So it was, it was very interesting because in, 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 in looking at it, he was very famous in the, in the music industry, and I made a name for myself in the promotional uh, on the promotion side. On that. Um, when you were playing music, did you read music, or was your uh, playing all by uh, ear? No, I, I read music. Read music. Yeah, because yeah, I played in a high school band. And did you ever try to pin your own songs? Did you ever write any songs? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> I never really sat down to do it, you know, on that part. And so how long were you a musician? How long were you a musician? How many years? I started at 12, <clears throat> and I got off the road at 31. That's a long time to be on the road. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll come right back with you here with uh, Kathy Lahr and uh, Mr. David Montalongo. And uh, you are listening to Rises here on KZSM.org. And if you do like what you're hearing, again, uh, we are a nonprofit, 501c3, and you can uh, send us a donation. Click on that donate right now and keep community radio going here in San Marcos, Texas. Be right back with you. Hey, y'all, this is Diesel D, host of KZSM's Veterans Hour. I want to remind everybody that Soldier Songs and Voices is meeting every Monday at Cheatham Street Warehouse from 5 until 7 p.m. If you are a veteran or active service member of the Armed Forces and want to learn how to write songs and play guitar, stop by Cheatham Street Warehouse located at 119 Cheatham Street or visit us online at SoldierSongsAndVoices.com. The Lifelong Learning Organization of San Marcos fosters pleasurable personal growth by offering a broad range of stimulating and engaging courses for self-fulfillment. Subjects range from courses in art, art appreciation, history, science, writing, literature, geography, and many more. Each course will be presented by members of the community who are rich in their subject knowledge and are excited to share what they know. Whatever your age, You'll find courses to fit your interests, and you'll interact virtually, well, at least for the time being, with instructors and fellow learners who share those interests. If you're interested in possibly becoming a presenter with lifelong learning, or you have ideas for topics to be offered, or you just want to find out more, please contact Marianne Reese at lifelonglearningsm at gmail.com, or you can call 512-216-6400. What's in the daily news? I'll tell you what's in the daily news. Story about a guy who bought his wife a small ruby with what otherwise would have been his union dues. That's what's in the daily news. Read the latest news about KZSM.org, your true community radio station, every Sunday in the San Marcos Daily Record. Look for our call letters in the headline of our exclusive column. The San Marcos Daily Record has been serving our community with news, 
features, sports, and opinion for over 100 years. Pick up your copy at your nearest grocery or convenience store. To subscribe to the print or electronic editions, go to www.sanmarcusrecord.com or call 512-392-2458. And hopefully you caught the column today Priscilla has uh, in there every Sunday for us. And we're listening, uh, you're listening to Rice's here on KZSM.org with uh, your host, Kathy Laura. And uh, we are talking music in uh, music industry with uh, Mr. David Montelongo and uh, Kathy. So we, you know, we've had that change. You know, you were in, in, in an orchestra and then the music started to change and we went into the stuff with the, with the rock and the, and the metal music. And um, the accordion didn't used to be within uh, the music industry considered uh, a good genre, accordion, right? And then accordion was traditionally looked at as a for lower class low Mm -hmm. type of music Music. on that and uh, it was why it came out that way because a lot of I guess because a lot of it was during the bars (laughs) and I got to play at bars you know on that part so it it was a different different type of atmosphere that they had but in 19 late 70s uh, 80s because I, I I quit when in in 74 playing and I didn't really had a any I wasn't even thinking about music anymore you know I had I had done my time, I had traveled, I was tired. <laughs> it was time for me to get married, okay? And uh, I did. I told my wife, I said, at that time, I said, you got four months to plan the wedding. <laughs> and I did everything that I could. I bought the house, I did you know, all of that. But a friend of mine inspired me to go into the promotions since I knew all the all the bands. And that's when I noticed that times were changing. You know, the synthesizer was picking up. And a lot, not only in the Tejano, but in a lot of, even in the English market, they were coming, they were coming in. And there was one particular group that was known for that and is still known for that, which was Moss. And they had a very unique sound, very unique style, you know, on that part. And uh, they did, you know, uh, synthesizer or keyboard. But some of the Tejano groups went to that also. They did away with the horn section, and they were just relying on the keyboards on that. And uh, a lot of the horn players were out of out of out of out of a job because at that time we were going through a transition where the money was not not as one coming in like it used to you know so it it went on for maybe five or ten years I guess and then some of the groups started bringing in little by little the accordion 
to mix it in with their groups. And uh, I got to work with a group of us when they had, they were very strong, very popular in the south from Corpus to, to the valley. So when I brought them to San Marcos, uh, I, I had Ruben Ramos also with him, and we had a very good crowd. And people were kind of like, they had heard about Mas, but they had never seen him in person. And from then on, it was kind of like they started getting popularity on that. I took him to, to Waco, I took him to, to Fort Worth on that part. So I got to see that also on that part. But in uh, going back to what you're asking now, is about the accordion now is so popular in, uh, in all venues. It's, really. it's so mainstream, Norteño, Tejano, and you're even starting to see some country bands use a little bit of the accordion in their music. Yes. And a good example is Flaco Jimenez. You know, Flaco Jimenez started playing at bars. Mm -hmm. And I, I met Rocco uh, back in the 60s at, uh, in San Antonio at a, at a place we were playing. He was playing, we were playing also. And I never thought that he would be as big as he is now, you know. But his voice style fits with any kind of venue uh, that there is out there. And that's helped him a lot compared to his his brother, is more into the Norteño on that. Um, Tejano music right now seems like it's struggling a little bit. Uh, do, you, do you foresee it coming back as strong as it was at one time? Well, it's, uh, this is my personal opinion, okay? And I've, I've made, it, made it several times on that. But what happened to Tejano music or Tejano groups, is that back in the 90s, the, uh, they had uh, clubs, and they would hire the bands on a Thursday, and they would pay them X amount of money, you know, quite a bit of money. So the bands would take it and they would say, well, David, they pay me so much that I meet my payroll, I meet everything. And what I make Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, that's clear money, you know. I said, yeah, but you, you're, 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 uh, you don't realize what you're you hurting yourself. I said, because people are going to say, because then they wanted me to take them to like, the, I started making uh, promotions in Austin at the auditorium. So they wanted me to take them to there. I said, but I can't take it because a week or two you're going to be at one of the clubs here. So they're not going to come and pay $10, $15 when they can go see you 6 to $7. You know? So a couple of them listen to what I was saying on that and they realized that 
that they were limited on that part if they did that. So they started getting away from it, but the the groups had already been had hurt themselves, you know. And I, in answering your question, I don't know if it will or not, really, because uh, now they want too much money. <laughs> yeah, would would a, a Moss or David Lee or what like ten, fifteen thousand dollars to book them for a show? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I I used to, you know I, I I had the opportunity to promote all these big groups you know on that, and it was just a phone call or they would phone call me and hey can we you have a date for this or this and that? We didn't need on no contracts. You know, and then they started. Well, I want a contract. I want this. I want this, and I was that. And then when I retired in 2014, I had thought about going back. And then I started looking at. It, I said, Nah, <laughs> I let these other people do it. <laughs> in in your travels, did you find um, some places that were a little bit more receptive to the Tejano music as opposed? So, was there a difference when you went to the Valley and in San Antonio and in Austin? Were some places more receptive? Did you have bigger crowds in some places than others? A good point that you bring that up because I, I didn't realize that there was a lot of difference between Austin and San Antonio. Didn't realize it until I made it. Uh, one of the dancers at the auditorium that Austin is very conservative. San Antonio is more liberated, more susceptible to a lot of different, different. things mm -hmm. compared to Austin. Austin, they, yeah. Well, they're more, I guess, San Antonio, more international you, because of the, all the, festiv uh, all the uh, festivities that they have there, all the festivals. You can go to an Asian festival, you know, you go to a... Well, a, they're more versatile yeah. than Austin, to me, yeah. okay, uh, of course. Now we're in the 2000s. I've been out of, the, what, 20, 20 something years on that. I don't think it has changed that much, but I, I, I saw that um, on that part. So I told you I, I wanted to go back to, well, I had the opportunity to practice with one of the groups and all that once to bring their group back up again. So hopefully I'll be able to to play with them. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't rehearsed, but he, uh, he's not in a hurry mm -hmm. to do that on that part. But so how, how big is the band gonna be once you guys start? How many members in the band? With this, with this yeah, group? The, yeah, the group that you, you're starting uh, with. Now. I think he wants to get it down to six on that. And is there, a, is there a name for the band yet, or are y'all still working that? And what type of no, music no, are you going to play? He's been, in the, he's been in the business for a long time also. His name is Leonard Davila and Street People. They played at Mike Encinetto. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but, he had, but at the time, he had like an afro like this yeah. big. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he, play, he played at Mike Encinetto. <laughs> and I have, he, they had um, a, a little promotional, it's like an 8x10. And I think at the time there was about four or five people in his band. 
and he signed it for me, and I still have it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's my world. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about the kids. We have the Sean Quintanera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we just had a Quintanera show. Yeah, I love it. Let's take a quick station break here. Okay. And uh, we'll be right back with you. You're listening to Rises here on KZSM.org, your true community radio station. Have you ever listened to your music source and decided, you know, it's just not making any sense to me. I sure would like to hear some music kind of dancing in nature, but kind of mellow as well. Well, I have got the program for you. It is called the Melancholy Tea Party, and it is heard live Tuesday mornings at 9 on KZSM.org. Hello there. I'm Salwa Khan, producer and host of Mothering Earth, which is now on KZSM at 11 a.m. on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. You'll hear about a project to bring green alleys to San Marcos. Find out what they are and how they filter stormwater while being pleasant, welcoming spaces. Mothering Earth is your source for sustainable living news on your true community radio station, KZSM. Order in the court. In the distant year of 2021, mankind has traveled to the far reaches of outer space. This vast galaxy is full of life forms of every shape and size, and there is one common need that unites them all. Not food, not water, in space, Everybody needs a lawyer. But who can rise to the challenge? Who has the guts to defend the denizens of our universe? I'll tell you who. Lance Vibrato, astronaut attorney. Tune in every Sunday at 9 p.m. to hear the cosmic courtroom comedy that befalls Lance Vibrato, astronaut attorney. Only on KZSM.org. Coming up tonight, 9 o'clock, here another new episode of Lance Vibrato, Astronaut Attorney here on KZSM. And you are back here with uh, Kathy Reyes and, uh, uh, I don't know, not an astronaut, uh, but uh, definitely a musician and a music promoter, uh, Mr. David Montelago. No, and yeah, you know, you're not an astronaut. No. <laughs> so, so, is there anything that uh, you want to tell us before we move on to the next subject? Of, of you want to share a story with us, a memory with us, or uh, tell me? Do you have a story to share about a promotion that you went on that didn't go quite so well that left you livid? Or well, there was a lot. I mean, not a lot of but my. I guess the highlight of my promotions was that I can say that I work with the top of the the groups. Um, What I really valued a lot was that Lil Joe wanted me to do their Texas tour when him and his brothers, him and Johnny, were going to do a reunion. And... uh, Joe was very, very impressed because when I would bring him to San Marcos, 
we had a good crowd. And up until then, he would have crowd, but not like what I would do for him. And uh, he had a lot of lot of respect for me, I guess, on that part. But I guess ultimately, he and I had a real good. Uh, we still do, okay. I just haven't talked to him in quite a while, but we would talk like normal individuals, okay? And he would talk to me like a normal individual, you know, like you know, as famous as he is, you know. And uh, I'd, I, I pressure that because he would share some of the, some of the things that he's gone through. And like one, he told me one day, well, when he called me to go about if I would accept doing the promotions, I said, yeah. But at that time, I had the print shop. And he said, you know, I never made any effort to build myself outside of the music. That's all I know. And that's all I probably will ever do, you know. He said, they said that I made over $20 million for myself. I don't know where it is. <laughs> and and I looked at him and I said, what? He said, just for myself. I said, wow. And he made a lot of money back then. You know, even now he's doing He said, but I said, well, Joe, you know, in the and it's true in the music industry, money goes by fast. Very, you, a lot of times you don't know where, where it goes because it's the fast money, you know, that part. And you have to stay on top of it, you know. It's just like anything else. You have to stay on top of... Uh, and he of, probably didn't diversify. It was just like, it, we're going to have a good time, and <laughs> yeah, like that. And then his, his his kids started growing up, and of course they've come into the, into the uh, business. But what was interesting is that Two of them were into the music industry. But I guess, and I haven't talked to Joe about this, but one of them is a, a principal in uh, somewhere up in the east. It's not too far. And the other one is uh, either a teacher or a counselor on that. And then the daughter... Is overrunning the business, and the other one is the one that does the uh, books, the books, the band, you know that. So the the two other kids have have taken over the ba over the business, so now they're in charge of it, and he just. Goes and plays. He does yeah. like they tell him, go show up over yeah, there. Yeah, he just shows up for the... For the <laughs> well, everybody knows that, you know, little Joe, he's so famous. You know, he's traveled throughout the United States and throughout the world. And um, he came up during, the, I guess, the Chicano movement. And everybody, you know, he used to be called Little Joe, the king of the brown sounds. So yeah. you knew when he was coming on stage, those horns would just, just hit you right. And you knew he was on. Um, and we're going to go ahead and leave our conversation about music at that. And then I'm, I want to talk to you about San Marcos. Tell me what your biggest pit peeve that you have with what the city is doing right now. Because, you know, you're, you're involved in that. You've sat on some commissions and you write letters and you get up and you talk. 
So tell me, what is it? What don't you like about what's happening in the city right now? Well, it's, it's similar to what I've talked about before. It's uh, the <clears throat> San Marcos wants to be like Austin, you know. Never happened. Austin is Austin, San Marcos, San Marcos, okay? And I say that because when I said about me and my cousin, mm -hmm. I finally realized that I can never be him and he can never be me, you know? So until we accept certain things, and when I, when I looked at it, because my dad wanted me to be and, but I would look at it and I'd say, well, he worked at it. He wanted that. I wanted to play. Yes, I wanted to travel. But I had other aspirations. I had other other things that I wanted to accomplish outside of the bit. And I was very grateful, and I'm still grateful, that my parents gave me the opportunity to explore that. But I wanted to go into something else, you know. So going back to what you were talking about, I wish that our city government would understand that. Look at Kyle. Kyle is growing and is really more into the business sector, and they're catering to the people that are living there. And not, they don't have a university. And that's the biggest problem we have here in San Marcos, is that the city government seems to think, to me personally, that they have to cater to the university. And that's not so. To me, it's not so. The university take care of themselves, you know. That's my opinion on that part. Because look at the University of Texas. The University of Texas, to me, takes care of the university, you know. And that's the, you know, comparing Austin, the Longhorns to the Texas, mm -hmm. they don't have the support that the university has on that. The alumni is not as strong here as it is in Austin on that part. So our city government is pro-developers, and they're ruining our, our town. They're ruining our, our, our neighborhoods. Now that they built that Chittam Street, the developer did not do enough. I'm saying he didn't. I don't know if they did or not. But we have now where the uh, administration building was mm -hmm. on Grove. All of that, and you ought to see how they park on the side of the street. So not not enough parking for the for the for the apartments that came in. Some of them park right at an angle to the LBJ or over on uh, McGee Street. Uh -huh. You know, on that part. Well, that affects. That has some effect on the residents, on the church. Now my son is saying that they're parking all on on the street where he lives, mm -hmm. you know. On MOK? On, on McGee. Oh, on McGee. On Mackey. So, to me, that now they're going outside. 
and the developers are coming. Now they're talking about smart uh, the project mm -hmm. that they're looking at on that part. How much of that is it really going to benefit the citizens of San Marcos? You know, mm -hmm. that's the point. They don't help the, the citizens. They don't help the businesses here. Good example is the Crestwood on that. On that they were going to close, shut the water off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Businesses depend on that. Now I don't blame the businesses. I blame the owners of of the of the place because the businesses pay the rent, and the owners should take care of what they're supposed to. Yeah, and and that's really sad because the barbecue place they're going to move to the Pearl in San Antonio. Um, you know, we know Gray Horse is going to completely shut down. So I don't know what's going to happen with the other other businesses there. But small businesses have been the backbone of this community, and we're not really doing anything for the small businesses. So, But I think we're almost out of time. Is that correct? You are. So I want to thank you for coming on the show, thank and you. I look forward to having you on again. And next time we'll devote a whole hour to uh, city government. <laughs> well, hopefully that day I went from one stream to the other, but I had more or less to make up the yeah, point. No, it, it makes for good conversation. <laughs> and you can be on any Friday night on We the People. I'll give you the whole hour. We can talk about that. KCSM.org. Kathy, thank you very much. Mr. Montelongo, thank you very much for coming in on tonight. And uh, we'll be back with you here 7 o'clock next Sunday night for RIASIS. KCSM.org, True Community Radio. Thank you for tuning in.